0: Agnostics,
1: long short The government, the government, love the government, the government, love the government, the Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. We've got something a little different for you with this week's midweek episode, or really it's going to be episodes Jay, Trey, and I recorded a Patreon supporter participation segment, but before we did that, Jay and I did a separate midweek segment thinking that the listener participation thing might not be long enough for a full episode. Well, that turned out not to be the case, and so instead of trying your patience with one super long megasode, that can't be a word, we decided to release two midweek episodes this week. Now, on this episode that you're going to hear in a second, Jay and I discuss New China investment restrictions, the Supreme Court's order on ghost gun regulations, Joe Manchin possibly leaving the Democratic Party, and Donald Trump's refusal to sign a Republican presidential nominee loyalty pledge. Midweek episode number two, which will be coming out tomorrow, will be Jay, Trey, and I, along with some of our Patreon supporters talking about the recent David Brooks New York Times piece, which asked liberal Democrats to consider the extent to which liberal elites have contributed to the rise and continued influence of Donald Trump. I thought it was a really interesting, pretty wide-ranging discussion of class and economics, which, again, you should see in your feed tomorrow. With that, on to today's midweek episode. I hope you enjoy it. This week, President Biden issued an executive order banning American investment in key high-tech areas that are related to national security, including uh, advanced computer chips, quantum computing technologies, and artificial intelligence. And this order is unquestionably directed at China, but it also covers all the 12 countries that are designated as countries of particular concern by the State Department and others big ones. And there would be uh, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia, Saudi Arabia, There are a few others as well. Now, In the order, Biden states that while the U.S. is committed to open investment and open capital flows as a cornerstone of our economic policy, uh, these advances by countries of concern in certain technological areas creates what he terms an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security of the United States. Now, in response to this. China's Ministry of Commerce said that the executive order, in their words, seriously deviates from the market economy and fair competition principles the United States has always advocated. It affects the normal business decisions of enterprises, disrupts the international economic and trade order, and seriously disrupts the security of global industrial and supply chains. Now, it seems to me, at least on the domestic front, there's bipartisan support for doing this, for restricting China's access to U.S. technology. I mean, in the Senate, there was a 91 to 6 vote approving an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would actually limit investments in countries of concern. But I can see where people who are kind of strict free traders, more libertarian-ish would have some issues with this. And certainly there are some folks who are like that in Congress. Uh, Jay, what do you think about this executive order of Biden's? Well,
0: I tend to be on that libertarian, free traderish uh, uh, side, yeah. uh-huh. and I'm 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 okay with this. Um, my, you know, I I think you you can uh, make special. I mean, I I think you, I think you engage in free trade with free countries, right? I mean, I think maybe maybe that's maybe that's a way to a better way to put it. Um. And and I've I've had this position for some time. When you have a a Chinese government that is essentially the Chinese economy, right? And and it's not a matter of you are trading with uh, free Chinese uh, private companies, uh, or or you are you are essentially you know doing the bidding, and you are doing so. Um, uh, Any trade you carry out is is under the rules of the Chinese Communist Party. I think that's a different argument to be made than um, you know should we you know, aluminum tariffs with Canada. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think in sensitive areas, uh, I think that's even more important. So I'm, I don't have, um, I, I would say I am, um, yeah, on principle, a, a free trade uh, libertarian guy and people should be able to invest wherever they want to invest. Um, but uh, I think China presents an exception, particularly in this, this area.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, and I'm kind of, pretty strongly with you on this, I I feel like this is an important sort of course correction dating back from, say, 20 or so years ago when we were hoping, you know, the uh, free markets, free society sort of thing and opening up China. would, And and that clearly did not happen, right? This is a a much more repressive regime, authoritarian, you know, in a lot of ways. And so I think we're taking... And and I I can look, I am big enough to admit that, uh, yeah, I was
0: you know the the folks that urged that yeah, which, me which too. was me well again not that anybody was particularly listening to me um you know back back uh, you know 30 years ago is when I was in college but um as to what china policy ought to be but but uh, if they had asked me uh, that's what i would have said is that this further engagement will help because the the popular wisdom because it had worked in in eastern europe was more economic engagement uh, is going to lead a drive for more, um, you know, economic freedom breeds political freedom, um, and it it did work in places like uh, uh, Poland and East Germany and Hungary and so forth. Um, it did not work in in China, and, for, you know, for I, a, bu- a whole bunch of different reasons. I mean, people have written books about reasons why, but I think yeah, it's a course correction now,
1: and, and I still think you can make the argument. I, I certainly haven't dismissed the argument that while. Free markets might not lead to a free society that it's it's difficult to have uh, a free and prospering markets in the long term without an open uh, rule of law based democratic yeah. side. And the reason I, like, for instance, you know, I, there are some things going on in China recently, like foreign direct investment in China down 87 percent compared to a year ago. It's at its lowest level in like a quarter century. And this is from this is from China's own state agency data. So God knows what the real truth is, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, their National Bureau of Statistics said that there's actually been a decline in consumer prices, which, you know, that whole deflationary sort of thing. Their exports have been down for the last three months. Their imports have been down for the last five months. They have a big real estate crisis. And to me, I, I, I maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I think maybe this is kind of authoritarian Closed society, uh, non-free trade, chickens coming home to roost. Possibly in yeah. a way, I would hope it's, so. It's right? sort
0: of yeah, the same the same thing of uh, what eventually yeah caused the Soviet Union to collapse. Yeah, you, can you, only keep, you can only keep this up for so long.
1: Exactly. And so China had the advantage of by being able to do a lot of catch up growth and a lot of things initially, but that kind of growth curve that we've we've gotten so accustomed to, I think it's really running into some huge problems. And and I would say. Thankfully so. If that, in some way, helps to open up their society, Though, of course, the negative version of that as well. In the kind of uh, the throes of that economic calamity or change, that it becomes even more authoritarian as leadership tries to hold on to its, you know, its grip on power. And certainly, uh, Chairman Xi seems to be doing that sort of thing. But, uh, but I think in the end, Jay, history will vindicate us.
0: Oh, I, I, I always assume that it will. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to something different here. Um, back to although the, I mean, okay. here, here's the
0: thing. I think this is this is interesting because again, you you can we can certainly say that, um, because I, there's also I mean cultural challenges in in terms of of China. Oh, sure, is different than Poland, Hungary, uh, you know, Eastern Europe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: it, in that, it, or, or even in places like say Iran, um, right where there was uh, a Western you know, democratic uh, system in place at one time that people still remember and sort of have in their cultural muscle memory, if you will. Right. Uh, And and I don't know that China has ever got uh, ever had that. Um, Same thing with same uh, thing with Russia.
1: Right. I mean, there was sure there was that technically that little period, but that was just sort of like a, a little uh, uh interregnum of 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 chaos essentially right yeah. and you know and and crony capitalism horrible corruption sort of thing i don't know if that even counts right as yeah they went straight
0: to- from the czars to communism yeah. and uh yeah there was there was nothing in between um uh so i i don't know now now that said you could also look and say at other places in Asia, japan south yeah. korea um who have prospered right it, it it's it's working right i mean there are uh uh you know, we we can we can argue about whether we, you know, the governments of South Japan or South Korea are, are perfect, but they are, you know,
1: way more perfect Democratic than China. States, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's. So, let's, so my my yeah, my, my
0: point is my point is I'm not saying it's not that it it never works. No, um, but it hasn't worked so far in China, and yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, China. The other, the other
0: interesting parallel I was I was going to bring up is that there's a little bit of, um. The the uh, Paul Simon argument. Um, uh, I was it was just you know the weird sort of um, listening to Spotify the, uh, a while ago, and I, I came across some uh, Paul Simon songs. So I've, I've always been this might surprise people, but I'm, I am a like Simon and Garfunkel fan. That um, does seem and, you weird, you know, crazy hippie folky kind of. Um, but anyway, as you remember, in the the late nineteen eighties, uh, there was of course the. Argument of you know Paul Simon recorded this Graceland album with uh, Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, um, a, a South African group uh, that does sort of traditional South African uh, sort of music, and there was there was sort of a big blow up of, of is this the right thing to do because you're you're doing business with South Africa, which most of the music community was boycotting, um, uh, and and then the response as well. But at the same time, what we're doing is. Is you know meeting with you know indigenous—that's um, sort of a silly word—but uh, uh, <laughs> meeting with the actual people there, right? right.
1: We're, we're not actually, the government, yeah, um,
0: yeah. Um, now I think the difference you can make there is there was a, a private economy uh, in South Africa, uh, whereas there there is not in China, um, and maybe those are the two distinctions. But it was just again, I think that's um and again it just happened to occur to me because i mentioned fw declerk uh, a couple minutes ago and um paul Simon's, you know a song from graceland popped up on my my spotify uh, playlist um but but my point is that that argument of of engagement uh even in a country where we think uh it it may be futile is is has has been there for some time and i think there's there's two sides to it but i don't I don't see that there is a a Ladysmith Black Mombazo to partner with in China at this point.
1: No, not not given the, the incredible, not incredible, but the I'm sure the, there is in Taiwan. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. yeah. But, but yeah. And like I said, China, given that it's you know the second largest economy in the world, it presents. Challenges that South Africa and even Russia don't, don't exactly. Yeah,
0: you, we, it was it was it's easier to say. Well, we're just going to boycott South Africa. Yeah, we
1: can't boycott China. <laughs> Which yeah, That's just now work. Although I, I wouldn't say it wasn't it wasn't a to, totally painless to say we would boycott South Africa. Yeah, but it would be but, just inconceivable to boycott China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's look at go back to the domestic front. Uh, and this last week we saw. Well, I wouldn't call it a victory. Or federal firearms regulation, sort of a holding action, I guess you will. Um, so last week there was a brief order, Supreme Court issued, a staying a ruling from a Texas district court judge that invalidated the this judge invalidated the administration's regulated uh, regulation on so-called ghost guns. And for those who don't know, those are weapons without serial numbers that are found in other weapons, and of course that makes them difficult to impossible to to trace. Right. Without
0: now, the the backpacks from. Like that Bill Murray had
1: yeah so now, now, last year, the ATF issued regulations that clarified what constitutes a firearm under federal law, and this that in this clarification, it included what are called so called ghost gun kits, and wow. these are kits that are sold in pieces, essentially with the buyer having to make some sort of a quick simple modification like the cut off, file off a piece what have you it takes a few minutes to turn the kit into a working weapon and so what this means is that kits the kits are now classified as firearms and that would require on the kits the inclusion of serial numbers federal licensing for sellers recording sales and background checks Now, the administration says, well, this is common sense. A solicitor general, uh, Elizabeth uh, Preligar, she argued in the the government's emergency appeal to the court that every speaker of English would recognize that a tax on the sales of, say, bookshelves applies to IKEA, Ikea when it sells boxes of parts and the tools and instructions for assembling them into bookshelves. And the court's insistence on treating guns differently contradicts ordinary usage and makes a mockery of Congress's careful regulatory scheme. But that how does she assume everyone speaks English? Well, yeah, there, there, but 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 that's not how the Texas judge, uh, Reed O'Connor, and in, 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 in the district court judge saw it in ruling against the administration's regulation. He said Congress could have described a firearm as a set of parts that may be readily assembled into a weapon, as it did for destructive device. Congress could have written all these things, and the very definition of firearm demonstrates that Congress knew the words that would accomplish these ends. But Congress did not regulate firearms as such, let alone aggregations of parts that are designed to or may be read- may readily be completed, assembled, restored, or otherwise converted to expel a projectile by the action of an explosive. Now, it, at least five justices seem to think that the government has at least a reasonable chance of succeeding on appeal, which is why you grant a stay in the first case. But there are four members of the court, Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh, they would have voted against issuing the stay, suggesting to me, and I imagine to you, Jay, that they may be more sympathetic to Justice O'Connor's view. And, and I guess the question for me is, how sympathetic are you? To Justice O'Connor's view, as opposed to what you might call the IKEA interpretation of this, I
0: have, I have, I have infinite sympathy for uh, and compassion for all kinds of people, Mike. Um, was this? Was this? Uh, I, we should note: was was this order issued on the shadow docket? Ooh,
1: the shadow docket! <laughs> it was I'm, an emergency saying, order. Yeah,
0: leftist uh, who who uh, completely free, frequently complain about the the uh, uh, the dark uh, shadow docket. Um, this is a shadow docket decision that they should like. Um, so, without without doing a whole deep dive, I want one. First of all, let's you know go back to what this is. This is asking the uh, U.S. Supreme Court to stay at an appellate court ruling pending certiorari. Um, not a ruling on the merits, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think I, I think you know one. We're we're not talking about policy we're talking about, should this take effect immediately? I'm, I'm sympathetic to the idea that, um, uh, you know, you, you probably don't get the stay, um, uh, in terms of, you know, what is the, what is the irreparable harm? Now, I guess the argument is the irreparable harm is to my second amendment right to, to get this gun, but then also, well, is this a, um, you know, even, even assuming, and I'm not sure how you work the the uh, Bruin sort of history test into this, right um, but let's just treat it like it was a a regular constitutional uh analysis and you know does, there's the the means the least restrictive uh yeah it doesn't seem that restrictive i mean if you if you can you can always go out and um, buy a, a fully manufactured handgun um, uh, and and maybe if your point is well you'd rather you're're you're sort of a DIY guy. Um, uh, you know, or it's just a fun hobby or something. I don't know. Well,
1: the difference being um, is the lack of a, the the lack of a serial right. number, right? And that's, that's,
0: right. And that's, that's what I'm, 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 my, my point is that that's, that's a tough, uh, the, the means seems to be, um, uh, it's not unreasonable to reach that end. Um, right. So I, I, I would, I don't see, I don't see irreparable harm in allowing the statute to stay in place, uh, while we get a, a, Final ruling on the merits from the court of appeals. Um, on the the now, and I think, and I think here's the thing: I think reasonable minds could could reach different conclusions on whether it ought to be stayed. I um, um, I tend to be with the majority on this one. Um, yeah. And, and the other, the other, the other, the other piece is right. It's it's I mean, also just a question of uh, for the Supreme Court: maybe do we take this up now, or do we take this up later? we
1: hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group, where you can join in on the conversation and other benefits at different levels of support. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.